0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to what is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. <sighs> Hi, this is Dr. David Clay. Uh, so, a person comes in to my office the other day and basically says, uh, They say I'm crazy. <laughs> I said, well, you're in the right place. Uh, no. Never say that, right? Uh, Although my specialty, so to speak, is psychological counseling uh, and have done so for many, many, many years. And uh, in that, probably would (laughs) know what crazy is. uh, I'm not going to call anybody crazy (laughs) because really that is what I've learned over all of those years. It's 1985, as a matter of fact. Crazy really is a relative concept. Uh, I suppose it comes down to what side of the fence you're on and uh, how you're looking at that. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, from a psychological standpoint, Christianity is crazy. Um, maybe hallucinatory hear voices, uh, see things that aren't really there, Uh, maybe delusional. (laughs) Not only are you hearing voices and seeing things that aren't really there, but something is talking to you. Uh, Where does it come from? We're really not sure. Uh, It seems like it comes from within us, in your head in your heart. Uh, as a Christian, we testify all of those things. Uh, God speaks to me. Uh, yes, right. Uh, how does he speak to you? Uh, well, sometimes it's when I read his word, I hear him speak to me. Uh, sometimes when I'm watching television or whatever, Form of media I tend to (laughs) engage in to get my uh, news, my entertainment. Um, Sometimes He speaks to me in nature. Sometimes I'm walking down the street and God speaks to me. Uh, Really, is it a, a man or a woman? And <laughs> Again, you get the point. I could go on. Uh, many would call the Christian walk crazy. Uh, I know that probably many of those that would call it crazy themselves might not have the qualifications or the background that I do, the license, so to speak, to really determine what is crazy or not. But as you might imagine, in Put yourself in my circumstance and consider every day as doing Christian counseling, as ministering in that pastoral role. How many conversations I have with individuals who say these very things and my schooling as much as I have a doctorate in ministry, which does then take into account my Christian faith, much of my public schooling, my secular schooling, what otherwise would most satisfy my um, licensure, my credentials in a secular context uh, has come from humanistic background, perspective, and would likely then superficially, if uh, Christianity were to be removed, um, the subjective element of the person making the observation, the study, uh, would say they're crazy. Now, when the person came in the other day and said, they think I'm crazy, uh, he wasn't talking about it exactly in this way, and people do come to see me with all sorts of emotional conditions, all sorts of difficulties. And for everyone that comes to see me, if I should decide to treat them, (laughs) and uh, in that They should decide to abide within my licensure, my scope of practice, uh, which otherwise gives me, uh, again, the credential to make a diagnosis, to apply psychotherapy, behavioral health, psychological counseling. Um, I have to come up with a diagnosis, or at least I have to come up with a reason or condition to meet with them. Uh, It has to be, as insurance likes to call it, medically necessary. That's difficult. Not because I don't believe that people can have, in a physical sort of way, emotional and psychological conditions that are diagnosable and treatable. Or that empirically, scientifically, research-based, evidence-based, that there aren't effective humanistic, secular techniques and strategies that can be applied. After all, we're at least part human. And really, in some ways, all of my education and training over all of these years and my secular license, certifications, credentials, board certification as a counselor, licensed professional clinical counselor. All of that then easily can be directed toward treating those conditions. But for me, all of those conditions, because I am a Christian counselor, comes from the mere fact that humans are crazy. Crazy. I don't know if that sounds appropriate. I don't know if that's the right way to describe it. But if left to my own devices, your own devices, without God, without God's Word, without the Holy Spirit, without Jesus Christ as my Savior, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, who's come to save me, It'd be as crazy as the rest of them. Now, again, fortunately, most of the people that see me, I don't think of them as being crazy. And as much as we're having this conversation today on the podcast, it would not be with any intent in my mind to communicate to you that I think any of you that would come see me are crazy. But it captures, I think, best the notion of how far out of alignment we can become when we start to disconnect ourselves from God. Because as far as it could go, (laughs) there are plenty of biblical examples of crazy. Nebuchadnezzar became animal, lived like an animal, lost his conscious awareness, conscience, conscious awareness, Uh, did did not presumably know what was going on. That was crazy. Ahab was crazy. (laughs) Maybe he was crazy about Jezebel, (laughs) but you can make the argument that because of Jezebel, or his inability to be what God had called him to be. And within, again, a biblical context, that was certainly to speaking to some extent not only king of Israel, but head of his home, a priest of his family. Um, failed miserably. And it wasn't just the gender <laughs> issue. I don't want anybody to think that that's what I'm highlighting. Jezebel was worshiping idols, false gods, uh, things made of wood, hay, and stubble. Um, clay, again, getting back to Nebuchadnezzar, clay feet. Uh, God does elevate as well as take down many things that really are substantially godly <laughs> they are in the sense that god created them and he created them for a purpose and reason but they're not honorable at least not honorable in those godly sort of terms before him my humanity is not honorable <laughs> it's defiled it's corrupted it's corruptibility It's easily corrupted. You can measure that in terms of the likelihood that I am, as a human, going to live any longer than a set number of years. Besides the fact that we do crazy things, our bodies get sick. Mental health, behavioral health has a physiological basis like any other physiological disease and disorder, but it's the corruptibility of our flesh. And that's not divine. It is in that God made us. It probably is in this, to the extended degree that God had a purpose and reason for humans to be as we are. Not that he would have desired any of us, certainly in a spiritual dimension, to be fallen or subject to the curse. Only the devil had that intention in mind. But I'm not sure that the physical body really factors in that much. It seems to when we're in it because there's all kinds of things that go along with it. There's joy and happiness, but there's also pain and suffering. And if you really want a good take on that, something very concise, to the point, read the book of Ecclesiastes, thus saith the preacher. But that's not what God created us either in or for. (laughs) We're created in his image, but he's not flesh except that he would possibly take on the dimensions of. The natural expressions that he does as he inhabits the natural world, and that includes humans. But God is a spirit. That's made clear in the New Testament. And Jesus said, They that worship him, as to the Samaritan woman of the world, worship him in spirit and truth. We are created in his likeness, but his likeness is of spirit, he is creativity itself. He is life itself. There is no death in God. God is a God of the living, not the dead. My mortality, my corruptibility, my corruption, the diseases that my flesh takes on, the infirmities of my flesh, the struggles in my flesh, they are real, but only as much to dissuading me from the actual reality that I am not flesh. I inhabit flesh. I am spirit. And in that, I am God's. Careful. I don't want to say I am God. That would sound heretical. Is that the way you say that? Blasphemous? If only because I'm speaking to you now from Otherwise defiled and corrupted thoughts that belong to a defiled and corrupted flesh that otherwise only can conceive of things in very, very limited terms that necessitates, requires the Holy Spirit even to give me a glimpse of what God is and the real dimensions of my existence. As Paul said, I look through a glass darkly. I can see men walking as trees. That's the first application of our salvation. But thank God, literally so, Jesus didn't stop there. He did it again, and then he could see (laughs) the blind man, the New Testament, he whom Jesus healed. He could see us for what we are. We're flesh in human terms. But in spiritual terms, we are the divine. And that is what we are more than our humanity. What's crazy, really crazy, is to calculate that in any other way. Although it is the inclination coming from flesh easily corrupted in our flesh to lose sight of the divine, to not understand <laughs> that all these things that the humanism or humanistic would call crazy is really the reality. That's who we really are. We take on characterologically, materially, in Material, physical dimension and expression, forms. But there's nothing that tells me that even humans are to survive. And actually, it is a good thing, whether we measure it in a singular life my life, your life, a lifespan, or as a species. When Jesus comes a second and final time, we are new creatures in physical manifestation, even as now we are new creatures, even in our present manifestation in Christ. Because I don't walk by sight, the physical dimension. I don't walk out of in this life, out of human intellect and reasoning, I don't just partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, although that is part of, I believe, my responsibility. But the curse was it caused me to become so scared of God that I did not understand what he created me for out of what my actual substance truly is. I should say, first Foremost is, yes, I have flesh. Therefore, I am, right? But I am the great I am before I am who I am. And philosophy isn't bad, no matter who it was that said that, Descartes or however you pronounce that. I don't know. I think, therefore, I am. Yes, if that's all you measure it by, if that's all you see, if that's all that you operate out of, the emotion, the psychology, maybe generically so, some spiritual dimension, but if you only operate out of that, you're not going to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, because his gospel is crazy. Now, even some Christians might at times contemplate that. Why? Because he basically lived what I'm speaking to today on the podcast. His body was a tool. It was an instrument of God's ministering in a material dimension to the needs of the material. But it wasn't sacred in that sense. Even Jesus went through death. Now, yes, he has a resurrected body. He came back so as to demonstrate to his disciples of the power of God to resurrect. He came back in human form so they might recognize and know him. All of that, however was before his final ascension. I am not entirely sure how Jesus will return. He may come back in that resurrected body, but he comes back in new dimension. Even John the Revelator, who best tells me of Jesus' return, description, had to have that translated in such a way that even he and his humanity could grasp it. Who knows what we're looking forward to in heaven? I can't begin to comprehend it. So I speak of it in the only way I know how. In human dimension. But even that is so corrupted, so fallen, So insignificant in comparison to the magnitude that God is, the glory that God is. Maybe God gives his flesh only so that we could know that he is alive in spirit. Otherwise, we don't see it. Why? Because, not because it's not visible, not because it's not measurable. Not because it isn't existent. We just don't have the human capacity to do any of that. And then there is also the trick of the devil, which is deception. We lie and lie and lie and lie to ourselves in order just to avoid, again, the gospel of Jesus Christ. What we're speaking of today. Now, when people come see me, I understand. Sanctification is a two-part process. At least it has two manifestations. There is the flesh that needs sanctification, and the Word of God, thankfully, Old and New Testament, is perfectly capable, sufficient to that. (laughs) It's John the Baptist. But the other sanctification is spiritual. Now, we mature in a physical dimension. Again, it's all part of existence. It's all part of our operation. It's all part of how the human body physically matures and grows and develops and all the physical and psychological milestones that we have to pass over (laughs) all the way to the end. It's our experiences, it's our knowledge, it's, it's all of that. It's knowing the Word, it's knowing how to apply the Word. It's meeting the physical needs. Why? Because there are physical needs. The Word of God orders and structures our life and does speak to us in that way. <laughs> but that's not the ideal the ultimate the best way god wants to speak to us because of christ god can speak to us and because of his desire to speak to us in those terms he sent his son jesus christ so that we might have him alive within us he speak to us he speaks to us from within us our heart Yes, he inhabits the conscience, but the conscience does not necessarily mean that you're saved. There's a lot of considerate, conscientious, conscientious, conscience-based people in this world that probably does not know Jesus and will not know heaven. Why? Because they're created in the likeness of man, not God, under the image of God. Even as Jezebel, she worshipped idols. It's human concoction, creation. If you could carve it, if you could melt it, if you could form it, shape it, that's all it was. It came from you. It came from humans. You can do that now. But if what we're really talking about is being created in God's image we have no way of knowing what that is. We have no way of measuring that in any dimension except that the Word of God would begin to frame it for us, at least to the point of accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. And even then, after that, we have the ushering in once more of the Holy Spirit's reign over our life. I say once more, I do believe at some level in our innocence, (laughs) maybe right that moment we're born, but not much longer, we're pure. How long they hung out in the Garden of Eden before this level of corruption, the knowledge of good and evil came to Adam and Eve, and then it set us all into motion in the way that the Bible depicts and the chronology of it, the chronicling of it from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. All of that is part of the transformation and transfiguration process. Again, individually, but even as a species. God's preparing us not only for life in the flesh as with the Old Testament. But he's preparing us at the same time and then with the full dispensation of the Holy Spirit first activated or reactivated from within us for our rightful inheritance of exiting the flesh and the material, at least the dimension of humanity, for our heavenly presence or homecoming. The wedding feast of the Lamb, where Jesus will return to marry his church, which is the bride, which is in human dimension, somewhat, but more so we are spirit. And when he marries us, as we come together as one flesh, as a husband and wife does in marriage... Become one with him. Does this sound crazy to you? For many, it is. But this is our life. All the things I treat in a more secular context, I do so because people don't get to the point of Jesus, or as they've gotten to the point of Jesus. They reject Christ. And in so, they reject all that has gone into Christ. They reject the Word of God. They reject the Old Testament. They reject the sanctification of the Old and New Testament Word in their life. But more so, they reject the sanctification, the revitalization, the reclamation, the resurrection, the salvation that comes from Jesus Christ within us, the Holy Spirit, the hope of our glory. And what are we? We're glory. Why do we use the word glory? Because I can't describe it. I can't tell you what you are in God except in human terms. But you can feel it. It's not an emotion. But it's the way God speaks to you from within. Does it ever become an audible word? Yes. Is it a hallucination? No, it's not a hallucination. God speaks in us to us. Is it sometimes less than a word? Yes, because sometimes, again, there's no way you can put thought on it. And words, language, really are derivative of thoughts. Whether language establishes thinking or thinking establishes language, nonetheless, it's for natural purpose of human communication. The spirit tongue, though, has no known language. God might again translate two words that you are familiar with. I have no question, doubt that he can speak to you in foreign tongues. But the tongue he chooses most often to speak to most of us is love. Many people, secularly, humanly, think love is crazy. It's just an emotion. It's not rational. It's not reasoned. It really doesn't have much to do with this world. It really will only set you up (laughs) to get taken advantage of. There's no place for forgiveness there's no place for you turning the other cheek. There's no place for understanding in a higher order, Holy Spirit, God is a spirit, but God is, a, is love sort of way. The fruit of the Spirit is love. That, to many people, is craziness. Now, I'm glad to tell you that I'm not one of them. But I do think all the pathology that my license and credential gives me privilege to treat, my education, my training, my certifications, have empowered me, given me the capacity and capability, sanctioned me to treat, because we've forgotten that one thing. what is that? God is love. And if we reject love and we reject forgiveness, we are automatically rejecting Christ. Because the only alternative is to crucify not only whatever it is that is the object of that, I don't know what else to call it, wrath, embitterment, but we also crucify ourselves. And when we crucify others and ourselves, we really crucify Christ again. Whatever it is, it's not worth going to hell for. I've heard that all my life. It's true. But there's no reason to create a hell on earth because you are not willing either to accept the gift, accept Jesus as the Christ and Messiah, or the gospel of Jesus Christ predicated upon the operation, the reestablishment of what we really are truly created to be and the likeness of God, the Holy Spirit, His love abiding within us and shared one unto another that unites, that creates the body of Christ, that is the bride of Christ, that Christ will one day return for. And should you reject him in this manner and way, what are you going to expect? You're going to die anyhow. Your body is going to be diseased. It just happens. It doesn't have to be necessarily diseased. But just old age will catch you. I do think sometimes we mistaken disease for just the body is worn out. And I do believe there's some individuals that, as with Enoch, were translated. They lived to a ripe old age, not diseased. (laughs) But they nonetheless did not live eternally in a natural human form. But more so, you're going to suffer all the ills psychologically, emotionally, all the things that otherwise I diagnose and treat in human regard. In a behavioral health and emotional health, emotional mental health sort of context, psychological counseling. You're just gonna suffer those because they are all byproducts of not having any love in your life and not allowing Christ to do what God sent him to do, which is to redeem. Yes, there will be a judgment. But it won't be Jesus that'll judge you. It'll be God, and he'll judge you based on what you did with Jesus. The message, the Old and New Testament that sanctifies your body, but more importantly, Jesus Christ, the blood of Christ that sanctifies you spiritually. The day of Pentecost, (laughs) when the Holy Spirit comes down upon you, That is the evidence of your salvation. That's the evidence of your sanctification. Congratulations, you are restored. You are now again in Christ Jesus, one with God. You've overcome. You've made it. That's what I tell folks. We are here to help you. I'll give you what I can humanistically. There's things that I can do, there's things you might need me to do, there's things other people might be able to do, medicine-wise, etc. But we don't want to rely upon that. And I am never going to think you're crazy if you're a Christian. <laughs> I discern you out of the Holy Spirit first. Then then I'll measure you up humanly because it's easy for me to tell then, in terms of where you are with salvation and where you are with sanctification, both physically, bodily, as well as spiritually. I'll pretty much know where you are in terms of your human (laughs) disorder and disease. It's not laughing matter, but it is a simple concept. And if there's anything humorous about it is, why in the world we would want to hold on to that? we could all be healed, when we could all have our sight restored, <laughs> where Jesus can bring about not only men walking around his trees, but for us to see ourselves as we really are. That's when we partake of the fruit of the tree of life. It is two parts. Both of them are sanctified by God. He knew it. He created us. He made us this way. He understands the limitations of our humanity in terms of understanding even His Word. He has to bring us along. We have to mature physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually before we can arrive at that point of fully discerning, full Holy Spirit operation, initially accepting Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ, but secondly, Realizing the moment we've accepted him, that we've also therein turned our life over, not only to Christ, but to God for worship and then the Holy Spirit for utterance, leading, guidance. And he's going to tell you somehow that's not crazy, that's salvation. I want to encourage anyone who would be listening to this podcast today. To get their life in order, it's not judgment now. <laughs> the judgment comes when you don't. It is feedback. <laughs> but I don't want to go to hell, and I don't want to create hell on earth by living in disorder, in disease, and in a fallen state. God has given me enough, more than enough, ample equipment and wisdom, and word, and Christ, and Holy Spirit to be more than overcomer and overcomer or overcomers. Don't waste a moment more. If you have not accepted Jesus, do so. (laughs) If you still need help, come see me. I'll be glad to help you. I always post our email address, reach out to me, ask questions, make comments, communicate with me. It's a privilege. And, again, as I end all our podcasts, just want to remind you, you're listening to What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry, and I am Dr. Michael David Clay. And you are more than welcome. Expressly, I invite you to join us again on the next podcast. Thanks for being here today.